Hello and welcome to that film studio. I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Batman, The Long Halloween, Part 1. Directed by Chris Palmer, Batman, The Long Halloween, Part 1 is the animated superhero film produced by Warner Brothers Animation and DC Entertainment. The film is available now, but if you haven't watched Batman, The Long Halloween, Part 1 yet, and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. This is the 42nd film in the DC Universe animated original movies line based on the DC Comics storyline of the same name, a 13-issue limited series written by Jeff Loeb uh, with art by Tim Sale, published in 1996 and 1997. Luke, you have the plot. During the holidays, a brutal series of murders strike fear into the city of Gotham. Batman sets out to pursue the serial killer with the support of police officer James Gordon and district attorney Harvey Dent. So this, uh, the long Halloween. I mean, let's start with addressing a limited comic series. I remember reading this, although I don't remember much of the details. I just remember a lot of the, um, well, what's interesting is that like, you know, there was this, this, series has been taken as inspiration a lot of times when it comes to the live action Batman films, especially, you know, like the Nolan verse. Um, and then potentially a little bit of what Zack Snyder was doing. Um, and I always draw, drew those comparisons back when I had read it, although I, I don't remember the story at all. Okay. Well, this <laughs> is a very faithful adaption. At least part one is, I'd say for the most part, Style-wise, like the, the artists on this book, Tim Sale has got such a distinctive style. They've not looked to put that on screen. We're getting a very different art style with this movie. But with Tim Sale, years ago, the first comic convention I went to here in Australia, he was a guest and he signed my copy of The Long Halloween. That's pretty cool. Just putting it out there. I'm really pleased that I have it. And it was great. <laughs> it was, it was is great. It, is it in reaching distance? Can you show me? Um, the I can show you yeah. after we finish the record. I mean, it's behind me, Fine. but not in reaching distance. And for people listening, it wouldn't benefit them at all. It's literally his signature on the book. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I'll screenshot it. And, uh, anyway, um, no, but good, good. So you're you're probably well rehearsed in the in the comic. Like you said, it's it's pretty faithful. Um, as I was watching it, what I was what was happening is that I was it was filling in the gaps of what my memory had uh, lost from when I had read it. Um, but again, I got to the point where at the end of the movie, I was like, "Yeah, no, I, I cannot remember how this ends." So I'm looking forward to part two. Yes, um, well, I'm going to be honest. Like, it's been quite a few years since I've read it also. Like, from memory, I can recall it pretty well. But I do know whenever they're doing these adaptions, they do change things up. Like when we watched and reviewed Batman Hush, they changed it up. So they want, it's almost like they want to honour the original source material, but at the same time, if you're a fan of that, you're not just going to get the exact same story. They want to surprise the viewers as well. I guess like with, um, with Hush that you just referred to there, that, that movie that they were doing was in continuity pre-existing already. So they kind of had to take elements and blend it into their already existing story 
continuity yeah, well, storyline. Yes, I get what you're saying there, but at the same time, they they changed the identity of of the killer. So they, whether that was within a different, like an ongoing continuity or not, like they could have made it any character, but they chose to make it the one that they that they picked. You reckon that's going to happen here? Well, well, maybe. I mean, we need that's not this review, is it? <laughs> we need to wait oh, that's until, yeah, that's until part two comes out. But it's interesting. Speculate. It's hinge. Well, yeah, okay. I think they will. I think they will. What do you What do you think of them doing this as a as a two part? Like, do you reckon this could have been done as one? I like it as a two part, and this is quite. If you look at what they've been doing with their movies lately, they have been getting longer and longer. We're pretty much we're almost at the ninety minute mark. Whereas some of them were just past an hour for the longest time, or then they come in at maybe 70 70 minutes. minutes. Yeah, Yeah, whereas now we're almost at 90 minutes. So this is going to be just short of three hours when it's all said and done. And they did it with The Dark Knight Returns, and that was the right choice with that movie. And I guess whether or not it was the right choice for this, we need to wait until part two. But the pacing and what we get in this first part, there is enough to fill the, the runtime. It doesn't feel like we're getting filler. So based on that, I'd say, yeah, I think doing it as a two-parter is the right way to go. But I think we need to talk about the continuity. And I noticed straight away the art style. I'm sure you did as well. Back when they released Superman, Man of Tomorrow, that art style was very distinctive. That was the first animated movie of the relaunch. And then we got Batman, Soul of the Dragon, which was a standalone. And they announced it to be a standalone ahead of time. Justice Society World War II, that one is in continuity with Superman Man of Tomorrow. Now, this film, it's not stated anywhere, but I noticed the animation style looked like Justice Society and Man of Tomorrow. When I looked into it, what I found is that this movie was delayed due to the Batman and was originally supposed to begin the new shared continuity. So even though it said nowhere in this movie, you look at the art style, and it looks like those other two movies, timing threw off the release schedule, so we've got Superman, Man of Tomorrow first. That all checks out. I mean, that, that all checks out. I, yeah, I agree. The, like the designs and stuff look, look up the same. Yes, of that, um, which of is clearly intentional. They, they were looking However, to launch the it is, shared continuity with this movie. It's a little bit disguised, though, so you have to kind of... I feel like it, you can only notice it if you're actually looking and trying to compare because of, I guess, the tone and, I guess, let's call it the Batman-ness of all, of, of all this. It's, you know... It's a lot darker. It's grimmer. The even the story that we're getting presented with, you know, like this is, um, like, a crime, mystery, murder, serial killer storyline that that we're working with. So it is grim. We've got Gotham City. It's smoky. It's dull. There's lots of grey colours. There's lots of even when you know we're dealing with Halloween and Christmas and New Year's, we're not getting big, bright, colourful things that it's, that we saw in, like, Man of Tomorrow, Metropolis, very bright, very colourful. So the artwork kind of gets disguised a little bit 
which is fine. So it is hard That's... to sort of. I wouldn't blame. I wouldn't blame someone if they said, "No, no, no, that looks nothing like Man of Tomorrow." But it doesn't. Because at first I, mean, I was, yeah. I was scratching my head, being like, "This looks different." This is it, is it? But then I was like, "Nah, the designs the are the lines. same." It's just it is. It's the thick lines, yeah, of characters at certain angles. And the thing is, right, this is how you do a shared continuity. Tonally, they don't all have to line up and look alike. They, they really don't. And if you're going to have a darker take on the, the animation style, like we're getting in this movie, that's absolutely fine because it fits the character. Look at what they've done. Even mm, yeah. you know, the DCEU, like the new Suicide Squad that's coming out, it's an R-rated movie. There's going to be lots of violence, gore, bad language, but it exists in the same world of Man of Steel and all the other DC films. Look at the MCU. Tonally, they're not all the same, really, and they're able to tell different stories. And it looks like that's going to be their approach with this. I think it's a good idea to have it be a shared continuity, but don't call it out. You don't need to. You don't need let to us, say. Let us sit there for five minutes, scratching our heads until we work it out or we read about it on Wikipedia. Um, if you know it is, as, if you know it is, right? Great, and you can enjoy it as that. But if you're watching it as a standalone, it does nothing to make you think that it is part of a shared continuity. You can just watch it as part one, well, part no, that's two. That's the thing. That's it. I mean, just like your comparisons to like the the MCU, like the best approach for a shared continuity is make individual projects work as a standalone you should be able to have an entry point from the beginning of that movie to the end of it and be like cool i got the complete well in this instance you know it's a two-parter so bad example but normally you'd be like i got a complete story i can leave it there and never come back if i wanted to or i can get more and what we got from their shared continuity previously was just further character development further history a lived-in world it was it benefited from that, but I guess so. Yeah, this is a this is a good approach if we're going to get these. Let's call them standalone shared continuity movies. These are these would work, and yeah, like Batman will have his own vibe, and Superman will have his vibe. Uh, it's yeah, it could be could be really good. It is interesting though, because I honestly thought the Long Halloween would have been a standalone. That's what I thought it was going to be. We'd had Batman: Sorrow of the Dragon, but now they've released four movies. Three of them shared continuity. So it's interesting it's what that ratio is going to be. I think even like you mentioned, you know, like with like the pacing and stuff of this movie, and I guess it falls into like, it matches the genre that this is, this is a slower, you know, like if you haven't read the comic, this is a slower story. It's not going to be uh, Batman's constantly kicking ass, you know, like, you know, there's a couple scenes where, you know, he's in the he's in the Batmobile and he's, you know, shooting around Gotham City on the streets and stuff like that. But for the most part, this is very slow, very character-driven. And I say slow, not in a dirty way. Like, it, it, this is... This takes its time to introduce it to the scenarios, the scenes, the characters, yeah. relationships that are happening, different aspects. So for on that, it, it, it is a slower movie. Well, it's Batman... I just want to say, though, in terms of... It's Batman being a detective. Detective. That's what we. Yeah. That's what we're getting in this movie, and I think there's going to be a lot of people that don't read comics, and that hasn't been their experience with the character. Whereas he is a, he is a detective. You don't really get that. But from on the that, movie. I mean, I feel like 
big fans of if you're a big fan of the dark knight as in christopher nolan's the dark knight you're going to be able to watch this and be like, oh, I see where Christopher Nolan got a lot of inspiration from. And, you know, I'm not just talking about Joker. I'm talking about just things with like the mob, you know, the crime bosses, um, all those kind of aspects, just the approach to the character and, and the, the lived in like the world of Gotham and all those kind of aspects. So I think someone who maybe has only seen the movies would be able to get to this and be like, oh yeah, yeah I, this is Batman. This feels this feels right. Yeah. But then I can also see the hesitation of, oh, this is slow. This isn't quite working for me. You so, know, my my wife does not watch these films at all. She would not sit down and watch one of these animated movies. But when I actually watched it, it was quite late at night, and she's a fan of the Nolan movies. Loves Heath Ledger as Joker, like well, pretty much everybody, and. She's like, oh, I just put something <laughs> on. She was going like, to distract herself with something else. And even though she didn't say anything until I was well into the movie, putting on a Batman cartoon wasn't exactly what she had in mind when she's like, just put something on. She was, I don't know, maybe hoping it's something she could partly get into as well. And she just found it slow, boring. and But again, she's not the audience for this movie. But I think... It's funny you, that you say that because you picked up on on how slow this movie is. Whereas, as a fan of the source material, a fan of Batman as a detective, I was along for the ride and I was really enjoying it. And yeah. there's there's so many stop start moments in this movie. And before, when you asked like, does it need to be in two parts? I think we've answered that. It definitely does because <laughs> they'd have shortened it to just. Otherwise, they would have movie. had to speed this movie up. <laughs> they'd have taken all the slow parts out. Kept in all the action, and that's not what the long Halloween is like. It, it'd have been an action movie. <laughs> would have been that's, the that would have been a the short Halloween. <laughs> hey, there you go. Um, but it's funny though because my wife said because you know I, I run it by I'm like no look I'm watching this. I can't. She's like no 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 I want to watch this one. It's based on you know she, she knows I've you know I've got the the comic and stuff and she might have played through it or something I don't know but she was like no I want to I want to watch this one I was like okay cool so watched it together and her take on it was she was just bored she was like no nah, it, it's it's so boring it's so slow and I was like what are you talking about this is cool man Batman doing stuff I gotta say though um, not so much the pacing but like in terms of like with some of the animation, there were some moments where it was like, I almost felt like the animation could have been sped up a bit. Like take the scene like with Batman and Catwoman sort of chasing it, jumping over rooftops. I just felt like that scene, not the scene as such, but like just the way it was animated. Like it was just really slow. It was just like jump, land. Yeah, run, 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 jump. So, and I was just like, you guys are like, you know, meant to be like, you know, above average kind of beings. Chase each other, like I mean, run, be fast. That's obviously a stylistic <laughs> choice, isn't it? That's not the characters moving slowly. We're just being shown. No, no, that's characters. an animation. Definitely an animation thing. Oh, okay, so like, it's, it's a. Oh, okay. I, I get it. It's, no. It's, it's an animation and then you know like when you get you see the batmobile tearing up the city it's like you know, it's ripping around corners and it's like do it faster <laughs> it, it i is, don't know it was just like it, i mean okay but i think we're, we're both saying there's things we like about this movie so we can both stand by that 
But, you know, whether it's what our wives think to this and they're not quite different from <laughs> what, what we have. But what I'm going to say as well is that... Silly wives. But no, but like at the other side of that, like kids, <laughs> you know, who like Batman cartoons. I don't think yeah. they're going to get a lot out of this. Now, this first movie in the US is a PG-13. Here in Australia, it's an M. Part two, though, that is R-rated in the US, which for us, I'm thinking, what's going to be like a MA-15? So yeah, even sure. if a kid wanted to watch it, do you know what I mean? It's almost like they've purposely made it for us, really. Not for our wives, not for kids, for guys I mean, that I guess grew up on... The approach, you know... I don't think the approach is like, hey, we're going to make it for adults. I think they're just like, hey, we're just going to make this movie how it should be. And I guess it just turns out that in the second half, they are going to have, it's going to be a little bit more violent, maybe a little bit more gore in there. I don't know. Um, And then the rating just came after. I don't think they stood back and went, hey, we're going to make the first one a bit more tame and then we're going to ramp it up. They just made the things, split it in half. and then If they... If they were looking at making it for a broader audience, I mean, granted, like this is not a theatrical movie. This is home release. So, like, you know, a parent could buy it, a kid could watch it. That's clearly, you know, going to happen. But what I'm saying is that adapting this story, which, you know, has, has been lauded for many years, has been, you know, from the fans, one of the best Batman tales, whether it's a comic or this film adaption, or at least part one, it's, it is skewed had a older audience kids don't want to watch a slow and i know i'm generalizing some kids would but i think you know if you look at <laughs> animated movies and animated uh, tv series they're not as slow as this they're a lot punchier so i just think it's interesting just tonally sure. like the movie that made is clearly the one they want to make it's come in and has been r-rated for part two they could have made changes to reduce that. They chose not to. They've, you know, the movie they've made is the movie they want to make. So, you know, I'm not saying right or wrong. It just seems like this is an animated Batman movie that they don't do it all the time, but they've intended it for an older audience. Yeah, and I think, I think with this story, I think this was the only way they could do it to do it justice, I suppose. I think to water it down you know, especially dealing with the subject matter that this story entails, it, yeah, I just feel like it would come across as something lesser than, than what it is. But you know what we need to do? We should talk about some of the characters and the voice actors. I was um, all that that's that's yeah. in this. Having that same thought as you were just talking yeah. then, we should probably talk. About <laughs> <laughs> so Jensen Ackles is is our Bruce Wayne, our Batman. What did you think of um, Jensen Ackles as <laughs> I mean, Batman? We've had him in a Batman film previously. He was Jason Todd in Under the Red Hood, still one of the best animated Batman movies. Yeah. I mean, he's doing it, isn't he? I mean, you've got to play it straight with Bruce Wayne and then talk with a gruff voice. There's Batman. He's doing it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, there were moments where I was like, I really, I can't hear Jensen Ackles, I can't, but then other times where I was like, oh, yeah, there he is. And that's that's fine, that's not a bad thing. But um, no, I think he was, I think he was doing all right. Um, yeah, Josh Duhamel as uh, Harvey Dent, or Duhamel, or whatever his, however yeah. you say his name. That guy. Um, we recently saw him in Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah, he's um, he's good. Yeah. Like, you know, I, yeah. I like him. I've seen him in other things. I first saw him in the TV show Las Vegas with James Caan. I went for a period of time. Mm. I just absolutely loving that show. And he's one of the main guys in that. Yeah, no, I, I like him. And of course, he did a couple of Transformers And recently you've... Movies. I was going to say, recently you would have seen him in a, a bunch of Transformers movies. Yeah, we've talked about that length <laughs> off air, so we can leave that. But yeah, I've seen him recently <laughs> in those movies. But in this film, yeah, and I think, you know, he, he brings something to it in what he's bringing. You need that for Harvey Dent. Because ha- that's who he is in this movie. We're going to get to Two-Face, but in this movie, they're establishing the relationship between Harvey Dent, Batman, and Gordon. You know who I didn't like when it comes to, to Harvey Dent? And again, I can't remember this character from the comic, uh, so, uh, this whole aspect. But his, his wife, <laughs> I get that the character is you know, struggling yep. with things <laughs> and a lot. I get it. She's, but my God, she is a damper of a character. She is a... Oh, I just Like on New Year's Eve, when it's like... You know, the, at least not to say like, you know, if you're not feeling up for something, you know, you, you meant to put on a smile and just pretend. But I mean, shit, at least put she in was, some effort. To she was in, she was in a, um, a bad place. She's supposed to grate on you. And she, she does. That's, that's no reflection upon That's the point, Julie right? Nathanson, who plays the character. <laughs> she plays her very well. <laughs> no, I no, mean, no, no. Not at all. <laughs> no, Honestly. That's the character. Holy shit. to the end of the movie. And what the movie's telling me is obviously Gilda. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not saying that's what I think it is, <laughs> but the movie, it definitely tries to push you in a particular direction. That's what I was getting from it. That, hey, it's all Gilda. Yeah. She's behind they the whole thing. just wanted you to dislike it. Um, we got Billy Burke is our James Gordon. Good. I think this this interpretation of Gordon is is like where he should be. You've got the family side. You've got his dedication to the job. Um, he's got the mustache, the trench coat. It's it's you know it's pretty good. It's Gordon, it's yeah. pretty good. He's a good Gordon. It, yeah, it's, I mean it's on point. He's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and then we got um we got a whole bunch of we got the Falcone Falcone family. We've got um, Maroni. There's a whole bunch on in there. Anyone you want to point out specifically that you want to discuss? Or oh, we should probably talk about Naya Rivera as Selena Kyle Catwoman. Of course, of course. And I noticed, um, unfortunately, however you want to put it, there a, a dedication to her at the end of this movie. So um, she had passed away after recording the words. Yes, so that was last year, and I remember it being all over the news. And it was something to do with, there was a boating accident, her son was involved, she got him to safety. It was this whole thing. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty full on. And I just say, yeah, they do dedicate this movie. So I'm not sure if she'd finished her lines for part two. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I don't know her 
outside of this performance. I know she was in the Glee TV series, but what we're getting is a strong Catwoman in this movie. Yeah, I mean, except for that that scene where they're chasing each other on the roof. Uh, but again, nothing fault. against her for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bloody animators. Um, no, yeah, she works. Both her, like, both Catwoman and Selena Kyle, you know, the, the two sides. Um, we, much like Ackles as, as Batman, you know, like, this works as well. I was wondering, just on their, their characters um, throughout the movie, I was, I was wondering, I was like, do they know who each other are? And then eventually I was like, oh, they do. Okay. Mm. I really wasn't I mean, sure. I was like, it, that's, that's, it that's, seemed like they. It's pretty, that's pretty much always Batman and Catwoman. They kind of always know. Like that's, that's their relationship. Even the like, 92 like, Keaton Like sometimes movie, they know, they, fight. Like they know, but they don't tell each other. Like, yeah. Like some, they yeah. And they, they each know like where they keep it from each other. And it's like, the, you know, will they, won't they reveal themselves? Although the other person already knows. It's like, a, it's like a, he doesn't know that I know or something or like, yeah. you know, vice exactly. versa. she doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly yeah. what's going on. Hey, cool. let's talk Jack Quaid because it seems like he's everywhere at the moment. He just keeps popping up. All he is. Place. In this movie, he is Alberto. Sometimes Falcon. just his voice. Well, live action, I can recall. Well, obviously, he's in The Boys as Huey, but in animation, he's mm. one of the main characters in Star Trek Lower Decks. He's voicing Superman in that new Superman animated series. And he's in this. And I've seen him somewhere else. Like, it just seems like his name is coming up. More and more. Yeah, and his um his character in this one is his const his character is constantly referred to, looked at, and then how this movie plays out is that you know Batman's pretty confident that this guy is is the is the killer, and I believed it because again I forgot how all of this. Turns out, I was like, oh, yeah, a, is it him? Or? You've got a whole part two to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. It's not Gilda. Well, that's, if well, they're that's pointing it. to Gilda in part one, that's it, isn't it? Why, why watch part two? We know who it is. So it's not going to be Gilda. Um, and it's obviously not Alberta. It was the baby. It was. <laughs> I reckon it was Gordon's daughter. I reckon she's pissed off that no. she got stooged on Halloween. So she's taking people out. <laughs> It's always interesting, isn't it, when you see Barbara Gordon portrayed so young, like so many years before she becomes Batgirl. But it's cool having her in there. Mm. We've got time. We've got time. Um, Troy Baker is back as as Joker. And I can never I can never pick it when when I hear his Joker, because I'm always like, it kind of sounds like Mark Hamill, but it's not. not. kind of. And then I'm like, oh, who is it? <laughs> like, honestly, like if, if I knew nothing about it, and it was just audio. And it's like, is that Mark Hamill or not? I'd say, yeah, it's Mark Hamill. So it's interesting when they do that because you get... No, like I said, like, it sounded like him, but I was like... It sounds a lot a like him. little tiny bit off. To the point where they've clearly gone to him and that's the direction he's been given because... I mean, I know <laughs> just Hamill to... as Joker is so distinctive. But then I'm like, you know, whether Hamill was busy or not, but the fact that it's like in this, Troy Baker sounds so much like Mark Hamill. Just get Mark Hamill again, unless he wasn't available 
or didn't want to do it. But for me, this sounds just like Hamill. Which is not a bad thing, so I like his Joker. But it, it's a bit strange where yeah. it sounds like you're getting Mark Hamill's Joker, only it's somebody else. I think what they're doing with Joker this one is, I think you get, this is a, a good kind of Joker. He's escaped from Arkham. He's He's been creepy with a Christmas tree. Like, he's flying a plane and releasing poison gas over Gotham. He's reading a manual because something's gone wrong. It's this is a good Joker. Yeah, I mean it's a Joker from the comic, but you know, going back to what we're talking about, this being shared continuity, having the long Halloween be your blueprint for your Batman side of that shared universe. It's a love good it, isn't start. it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm liking that. It's like we're stuck with this one now, and and that's that's a good thing. We should mention, I guess, if if be our last character that we probably really talk about, uh, Calendar Man, brief pe- uh, a brief appearance, but voiced by David Dasmarchian. Um, he's our let's call him our, our Hannibal Lecter. Yes, in Arkham, he's our go-to for information, guidance, some hints and tips. Yeah, and he's he's great. It's a really cold calculated tone yeah i i like him in this and this actor he's he's getting about quite a bit as well like i mean i remember seeing him in the gotham tv series he was in that for at least one episode popped up in a couple of ant-man movies we're going to get him as the polka dot man in the suicide squad and calendar man in these two long halloween movies yeah i like him i'll tell you I had a bit of trivia, but I'll, I'll break it out early seeing as you're spilling the beans there. But this is actually his sixth comic book role, uh, young David Dasmarchian. So you're right. Um, he was Thomas Schiff in The Dark Knight in 2008. He was Forgot that one. Kurt in the He played Kurt in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Dwight Pollard in Gotham. Um, Abracadabra in The Flash. And... He will play Abner Krill or Polka Dot Man in the Suicide Squad uh, this year. So ah, Calendar Man yes. is, yeah, Calendar Man is his fourth uh, Batman-related character. Wow, that's cool. Shift Pollard and Krill. Yeah, I forgot so about Abner. Abra. getting around. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I yeah, he's good. He's good. And you know, Julian Day, Calendar Man. You know, he's a big part of of the story. Because as you say, he's the Hannibal Lecter character. He's the one they go back and forth to and get advice on what's happening out there. Like, is it him? I can't remember. Is it him? <laughs> Let's go wait until part two. Because even if you remembered so every there's a detail scene. <laughs> about that comic, you, you may still be surprised. <laughs> yeah. like I, I said to you, didn't I? Because I watched this movie before you and I pointed out that there's a post-credit scene and what I said about it should be the end of the movie because not everybody watches the post credit scene and whether it's going to be the opening of part two, I don't know. But what happens in that post credit scene, I'm assuming it's kind of integral to the ongoing story. So to put it at a place that not everybody would watch it seemed a bit odd. I mean, we could potentially start the second movie with 
Bruce Wayne possessed and Poison Ivy is, you know, getting around. And we'd be like, whoa, what's going on? And, you know, they could explain it. Okay, so if you've not seen the post-credits scene, work. <laughs> Jason just clumsily delivered it there. But yes, that's what happens in the post-credits scene. Yeah. Is this not a... Is this not a well, well, it, it is, but again, like, what, everyone has. Well, this is the thing. Yeah, everybody listening to this should have seen the movie. But what I'm saying is, not everybody would have necessarily. Oh, have they seen the post credit that post credit scene? Because you know, I was watching it at home. I just fast forwarded. I was I was curious, not really, if I'm honest, expecting <laughs> anything to be there. But but there was. We witnessed the funeral of Alberto Falcone. Once it's over, Carmine Falcone asks Bruce for help to launder money and introduces Bruce to his companion, who turns out to be Poison Ivy. And there, mind control. And that's going to take us into that next movie. So it's a pretty cool reveal. I reckon, like you said, I reckon it's just going to be the opening scene. Or should have been the end like of the movie. Maybe, like yeah. it should have been the end scene of the movie. Like it was just yeah, that, that. just watch. I think a post-credit scene shouldn't feel like it should have been part of the movie. It's always something a little bit extra. Like if you don't watch it, you have missed out on something, but it's not taken away from the experience of the movie that you've just watched. Whereas I feel like not seeing that post-credit scene, you miss the end of the movie. But anyway, we need to see part two to see how it how it all ends. We do, we do. Um, and when is part two out? It's not very long, is it? Not, not a long wait. July 27th, which cannot be correct like because two. the first one is coming out around about that time. It's good that I've, I've got written down July 27th. Now, I think that's more speaking to the first one. That's physical media. It got an early release digitally. I think maybe it's August. I think August sounds about right. So it'll be a couple of months after okay, this. But even then. Within the same year. August is next month. Calm down. Just calm down. Yeah, that's really August close. That's really close. Away. I thought I'd... Um, <laughs> I, I did a bit of prep there, and it, it didn't occur to me that the date that I was... I was writing I, down... I've got to tell you. I, happened. I also got uh, the 24th of July, whatever you said. 27th. Um, so, yeah, yeah look... It, 27, I don't know. Let me tell you, I'll tell you the the digital release, which physical media is a little bit after that. Oh, here in Australia, right, okay, that's the digital release. That's really soon. So here in Australia, 28th of July, so 27th must be US. That's part two. It's almost here. Wow, that is impressive. They don't normally... We might have, we almost could have done this as, as one <laughs> review if we had just made it. Oh, wow. I, shit. I can't get over that. Yeah, I'm looking at it now on iTunes. Expected 28th of July. There we go. That's this month. <laughs> so expect a. We're going to find out all our answers. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed by that. There we go. I all right, well, let's, re- let's wait longer. Let's rate. Yeah, yeah. Let's rate this one, this part one, um, and then we might adjust as we watch part two and look it's back. It's a hard one. It's a hard <laughs> one, now, isn't it? Like, like now, you say, if we, if we would have took note of the fact that it's fairly close together, we could have maybe have held off and done a back-to-back review. 
too late for that. <laughs> we've just we've just done part one. I didn't necessarily notice it being that slow. Was, I, I didn't. I did when my wife pointed it out. But for the most part, I was along for the journey, enjoying the adaption, uh, the character portrayals, the voices, uh, the style, the arts. I'm going to come in. I'm going to keep it a little bit measured. I did. I did enjoy it. I'm going to come in at a 3.5. And then, as you say, when we get to part two, maybe as a complete story, that will change things. um, Because you wouldn't normally review the first half of the movie. But I'm going to, (laughs) to begin with, part one, I'll come in at 3.5. Well, that's it. We'll end up giving three ratings. We'll rate part one, we'll rate part two, and then we'll give an overall rating, you know, as a, as a whole complete, and we'll see how it all differs. Um, but I'm there with you as well. I'm giving it a 3.5 um, out of five. Look, the, the, the designs, like the artwork is, is, is great. Um, like the character interactions, especially like, you know, the four main characters, Batman, Dent, Gordon, Catwoman, like they are great. Some of the other characters, like Mrs. Dent, oh. <laughs> but that's all right. Killed that's all good. Um, no, this is this is a a mature, um, you know, Batman story. The detective side of the Batman character. This is this is a good story, and this is a a good adaptation. I, I believe from my memories. Either way, what they put on screen was was good. There's just a few elements that just kind of irritated me a little bit. Um, but yeah, look, yeah, I want the second half. So bring it on. Let's see how we go. And maybe as an overall, it could uh, the second part might elevate this first one for me and I might be able to bring my score up a little bit, but 3.5. All right. So already did my trivia. So I'm just going to brush past that. Don't even know why I brought it up. Um, and I guess that's it for our review of Batman, the long Halloween part one. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, and please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film's New Podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewinding Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. All our episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmsdewpodcast.com. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent review of Luca. You've been listening to Jason and Luke, the guys from that film's view. See you soon. Mm-hmm.